Hi, and welcome to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. Being ambitious and successful while living a happy life is possible. Learn how you can better cope with stress in day-to-day -day situations by applying tools and techniques that work for you. My name is Julia Arndt, and I'm extremely grateful that you decided to check out my podcast today. Let's get started. everyone and welcome back to Stress, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. I'm sitting here in my home office right now with the biggest smile on my face because I just had the most beautiful podcast interview with Ryan Owens. He's a director at Google and we are talking about mindful leadership. And I'm feeling so inspired and happy right now because we need so many more Ryan Owenses in our life and in our companies to promote well-being and stress management. So I'm so, so excited to share this with you. I'm so excited that Ryan volunteered to be on the podcast today. We are talking about a lot of different really cool topics. We're talking, for example, about how he integrated well-being and stress management into his team. He's talking about what he's doing on a monthly basis, what he's doing on a quarterly basis with his team. We are also obviously talking about his private life. We're talking about how he has started to integrate well-being and stress management with his wife. They have three children, two, three and four years old. So lots of, you know, definitely lots of high energy there as well at home. And we are also talking about how he is holding people accountable for being mindful He's telling us about how other people sometimes hold him accountable. And yeah, he is just this really beautiful personality. And I'm so grateful to share this with you today. I would love to hear what you take away from this episode. So either come to my Instagram account at Blue Mountain Mindfulness and share with me your biggest takeaway from today's podcast Or leave me a review and a comment on iTunes. I would really, really appreciate that. It just helps me promote stress management and well-being across the world and across our different companies. And if you have somebody in mind now after listening to this podcast and you're like, I would love to have this person on Julia's podcast because he is such a wonderful example of managing stress well, then write me. I would love to hear from you. So... Without further ado, I hope that you are really enjoying this podcast as much as I do and talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, Ryan. How are you today? Hi, Julia. I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you in my podcast today. Thank you so much for joining. Of course. Delighted to be here. No better topic than, than wellness. Mm-hmm. So um, just for all of our listeners that are listening to the podcast right now or that are watching our video, um, how, what are, pick us up a little bit. Where are you right now? What have you been doing today? And in which time zone are you located? Sure. So this is the end of the day. Um, so we're Irish standard time. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's a good time to connect in with you because you're based in the States. And typically this is my evening in Dublin connecting in with the US as they come online. So uh, today is a typical Monday where I spent uh, meetings with a lot of my business partners in the sales organization and meeting with our uh, staff, senior staff for the weekly revenue meeting where we assess the, the sales business for the org which I work in, which is uh, GCS, Google Customer Services. Mm -hmm. 
Great. And so you already started to tell us a little bit more about your job. Tell us what you're doing at Google. Sure. So I'm the, the director for product and sales activation, which is a product specialist team for GCS. So supporting the sales team in terms of launching new products on the advertising side and helping them speak to customers and agencies in terms of knowing what the right product solution is for our advertisers. Mm-hmm. Great. And how long have you been doing this? This particular role I've been in seven years. So I uh, started off with a team of seven or eight people, and then we're now uh, close to 50. So it's it's been mm-hmm. a, a nearly a 10x uh, growth in the past <laughs> seven years. Wow. Uh, and that's in Dublin alone, right? That's not that's, um, globally. Right. Yeah, that's in Dublin alone. Globally, the the product and sales org is... 210 people at last count. So we represent uh, nearly a quarter of the, the global team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's great. And and I was part of that organization a few years yes. ago. So that's why we know each other. So yes. I'm really excited to talk with you because we connected over stress management and wellness. And you said that you have a lot of really cool things that, that helped you in your stress management. So I really wanted to share that today. So the question that I have for you is, How was your just stress journey and how maybe how was it before and maybe how has it shifted over the last seven years? Sure. So the the preceding seven years, so uh, in, in Google as well, the I moved around into three different orgs. So this is the longest I've been in one role. Mm-hmm. And in the previous incarnation of my Google career, it was working in more uh, operational type roles where the role was very distinct. You had targets, you hit the targets um, and you moved on and mm-hmm. uh, quarterly annual targets. So that was good. Uh, however, my uh, my career goal was to have something more strategic, something more that I can influence at a wider le- Google level. So I took on this role, which is into the, uh, the product strategy and the product commercialization. So that, that brings with it uh, a different complexity to career development but also a different complexity to stress management because there's higher expectations to bring insights and strategy to the, the business on an ongoing basis less operational and much more thinking broadly about the opportunities that exist for the business so i guess looking back over the seven years in this role the first two to three years the uh, gcs sales team which is essentially the mid-market of uh, Google's entire sales business. And that portion was, again, very uh, operational-driven in the early days where there's very strong productivity goals for sellers. Mm -hmm. And we were very focused on on metrics and and driving those goals. Over the past uh, three to four years, I would say, we've moved away from that. And the sales teams are much more consultative. They work with higher spending advertisers, more Uh, more savvy advertisers, which in turn creates more demands in terms of how we position the product in the market. So the demands of my team have increased in the past two to three years, which on one side creates more stress, I guess, in the role and more uh, demand in terms of well-being. So what I've had to do is adjust the structure of the team and hire new roles, so hire more central roles for my team, such as an analyst support model, and uh, more central roles that work across 
the various teams in uh, within my reporting line. So I've had to manage my stress by shifting resources and prioritizing what projects we take on and what we commit to. So as an example, we have service level agreements, so SLAs with the sales teams where we will commit to certain deliverables and where mm-hmm. we will not commit. Mm-hmm. The issue being those lines can be blurred often. So we have to restate them on a quarterly or annual basis. And that's where myself and my leadership team invest time to make sure that SLA and agreement with our business partners is very strong. And that's an ongoing challenge for myself and my leadership team to to maintain that ongoing level of commitment. And then for the wider team to be able to manage and operate within that uh, challenge environment because it's a matrixed environment where you have business partners on the product side and business partners on the sales side as well and liaising and uh, managing both can be quite demanding and pressure from both sides so the the team uh, well-being is always top of mind for me to make sure they can manage adequately within that uh, in that realm Mm-hmm. And can you give a little bit more examples, specifically there where you say like you really want to make sure that the well-being is like top of mind for you and people are feeling comfortable with everything? So you talked a little bit more about, I guess, the business side of things of like, you know, creating SLAs and being really clear with the internal stakeholders of what they can expect. Um, what do you recommend people when, when they're just feeling stressed out or pressured from their stakeholders from more from a personal perspective? So every, every quarter, so I'll go through a few examples, but one every quarter, we have what we call a press pause, where for one day, one entire day, we take the team away from the, their, uh, their desks, mm-hmm. away from their day job, and we would get in a room or go off-site somewhere and have a, a well-being focus day. So the morning, typically in the a.m., uh, from 9 till lunchtime, let's say, we would either do an activity or bring in a speaker or uh, some other focused effort on well-being. So a few examples in the past would be we, ha- we ran a laughter yoga session uh, where <laughs> okay. we had everyone in the, the Google gym and, and spent time with uh, a yoga instructor, but it's very focused on laughter and enjoyment of yoga. Um, other times we've had speakers in on how to design uh, your life around, uh, you know, increasing your energy, having personal goals, other examples are where we brought in uh, life coaches and well-being coaches externally and brought them in and had talks. So typically that's how the morning would shape up. We also run a, a check-in with the team. So go around the entire team. You could have 30, 40 people in the room. And it, it takes time, but it, it's a worthwhile investment where we do personal check-ins and ask people what's going on in their personal life, what pressures do they have in their professional life, and just openly talk about it and share it with the team. Everyone has maybe 30 seconds up to one or two minutes. Okay. And you learn a lot about the team because it's nearly like a speed check-in with everyone. And as the team has grown, it's become more difficult to do that, but we still invest time because it's, it's worth knowing what everyone is doing. Um, not everyone speaks to each other every day. So mm-hmm. it's an investment we make to make to understand other people in the team have pressures outside of work that you may not be aware of. We want to make sure that people understand that, even if you don't need to know all the details about someone has, uh, you know, has had a baby in the past six months, or somebody's going traveling next week on holiday for two days. Therefore, this week they're under pressure to deliver on projects. So 
is a huge spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I find that really useful. Then after having lunch together, people have the option of going off in groups and going for a, a walk or going home um, and okay. just checking okay. out early. Typically we do it on a Friday. So go home at two, three o'clock and say, nice. you're off, uh, just check out for the, the day and expand your weekend because the demands in this role, because we're operating in a global team, we have often late night meetings. So mm-hmm. it's just a way of telling people once a quarter, check out early, go home, switch off the day. And we communicate this to our stakeholders. Tell them, do not contact us. We're off <laughs> um, so, so that's one thing. Another one is what we call launch ninjas. So this is more in smaller groups where we have two or three people in the team manage well-being for uh, a few quarters. Mm-hmm. And they manage something called launch ninjas where they randomly select three, four people in the team to have lunch together who typically don't operate in the same reporting lines or projects. So there's only one rule. You go to lunch and you do not talk about work. So, you know, you have lunch as normal. And this typically happens maybe once a month um, if we can make it happen. But so I had one lunch ninja two weeks ago where I sat with three, three of my team members and I learned about, you know, what excites them, what TV programs they like, what their travel schedule is for the next few months mm-hmm. and there was zero work talk. And it's a really good leveler and a way good, a good way to check in with people's personal life in a very small group environment. So we have a few other initiatives, but th- those are two examples of the way That's we. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I think one of the things that I have on my mind and the biggest question I have is how do you make people comfortable to speak more about like maybe their personal stressors, because oftentimes there are personal stressors that, you know, that we can't just completely separate between life and work. But sometimes when I speak with people, they're like, yeah, but I'm not so comfortable with sharing that. You just said that you're sitting in a group of like 30, 40 people and people actually share, share some of that. So how was that an evolving mechanism where people, you know, maybe more leadership is maybe speaking up as well. So they, other people feel more comfortable to actually open up as well. Yeah, it's it's something that there's a varying degree of how people will share and the comfort levels. <clears throat> and some of the group did speak to me afterwards saying, that was great. It was good mm-hmm. to share. Other people said, that was really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say something and move on. So uh, I think it, it really depends. And obviously, I, it, I was open and say, look, here's my personal check-in and my professional check-in. Um, mm-hmm. I do it with my management team when we are on off-sites as well. Mm-hmm. and not everyone in the team is comfortable doing that. So we've run a few of these sessions, and sometimes it's just 30 minutes, we run a well-being check-in, and there's no, no check-in as an individual, it's more a group check-in. So we just mm-hmm. say, anyone want to share what they're okay. doing at the weekend, or do they have any well-being tips? So, for example, we ran one where it was optional, anyone who wanted to attend could. So we had maybe 18 people, uh, I think in the room at one stage and it was optional to come and just share tips and well-being. So oh, a few people arrived and some of the tips were, you know, one of the ladies in the team likes to go for a run three times a week, uh, you know, before lunch. And it just frees up her mind uh, during work time. Other people like to work on the train. Other people like to read on the train. Um, people have different, some people walk to work once a week. You know, it's, 
all these different tips people just shared in terms of inbox management, calendar management, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how to say no to requests from business partners. Yeah. And we're just at a flow then started of sharing best practice around well-being. And there was a level of trust because people were sharing what they did in work and outside of work to improve their well-being. Mm-hmm. And anyone who wanted feedback or suggestions could get it as well. So uh, I guess it's it's just making this uh, environment of trust a way of being, a way of life within the team. And mm-hmm. it works to varying degrees. Some people are comfortable with it, others less so, but that's okay. We yeah. try to keep the people in small groups and large groups so that we can address everyone's needs. Yeah, I love that 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 you have like all these different mixes of like small groups, big groups, people can come and it's volunteer basis. So you have something for everyone and then people can really pick and choose. Um, let's talk a little bit more about you, if that's okay. <laughs> so you, I think have three kids, if I'm not completely mistaken. Yes. yes and um, tell me how you manage like work life, because that's, you have three kids. That's a lot. Um, I guess <laughs> I don't have kids yet, but how do you manage that? Uh, so, First of all, I have a, a super mom at home who is uh, able to, to manage most of it. And I guess we, we made the decision four years ago when my first child was born that she would stop working. So she's a highly qualified teacher um, with master's, PhD uh, in education and, and really, really loves teaching kids. But she made the decision to take a career leave. So again, that, that really helped me. But with the expectation that she would go back to work and obviously I would support that when she's ready so at the moment she's interviewing for teaching roles and uh, she's going back to work number one number two she's starting up her own business in the field of nutrition and well-being so mm-hmm. uh, every every evening we're talking about this very topic so to so so that, that that's great in terms of having uh Edel at home on a permanent basis currently to to manage the kids and we also have uh, my parents help out etc so frees up Edel's time for doing uh, her business, her course, et cetera, uh, two days a week. So having my wife's well-being in a good place helps my well-being too. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, time with the kids, so I, I'm very diligent about le- uh, leaving, particularly on a weekend, so leaving early on a Friday. I finish up typically early on a Friday around three o'clock mm-hmm. and spend the entire weekend, switch off, do not check emails, anything for the weekend, so I know that time is time with my kids. Mm-hmm. Similarly, during the week when I do get home, I have uh, one evening a week where I have late Mountain View meetings. Mm-hmm. So that day, I will not spend time with the kids mm-hmm. uh, or very little time, whereas the rest of the week, I will spend time with the kids where I get home, again, switch off my email, close the laptop. It's time with my kids. And because if I bring my phone out to check emails, they want my phone. They like to look at photographs. <laughs> and everything, so I, I have to keep it away. And yeah. uh, so um, I've had to get strict about that because mm-hmm. before I had kids, I would check in on emails, uh, do some project work in the evenings when I got home. But I just don't have the energy to do that after two, three hours with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reads are at their my youngest turns two next week. Okay. My second youngest is three. And then I have a four-year-old. So two, three, and four, they, they're very close together. And they are high energy children so they demand a lot of attention which is great because it helps me switch off from work okay. then when we get them to bed in the evening i'm too tired to do any work so um, okay. i guess it's a, it's a pressurized way of switching off from work 
Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that, that's just a way I manage my, uh, my work day that when I get home, I have a long commute. So when I get home, okay. I switch off and it's uh, dedicated with my kids. That's awesome. How long is your commute? So it's just over 90 minutes. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I spend maybe one hour, 10 minutes on the train and 20 minutes drive to, to home. Okay. Wow. And that you do that every morning and every evening as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and I would work on the train so I can okay. cut some of the time in the office and work on the train mm-hmm. and uh, you know, be able to get through email backlogs, which frees up my time when I'm in mm-hmm. the office. Yeah. It's really interesting. I've had a lot of conversations with parents lately and it almost seems like you're getting more aware of your well-being and stress levels once you're a parent and you're not maybe so good at managing it before you have kids. Why do you think is that? So I guess I have found out a lot about myself since I've become a parent. So for example, I didn't realize that's such a short temper, a short fuse. Mm -hmm. Um, because the kids can be very demanding. They can not understand if you're under pressure with work, if you have a deadline to meet, if you have to leave at 7 a.m. or 7.30 to get the train, Mm -hmm. or if you're home after a long day and a long commute. They don't know that. If you're in the room with them, then you should be 100% dedicated to them. Mm -hmm. Um, The demands then kids put on you, uh, I think, really forces you to rethink your time with them and the the way you react to them so you know kids can you know misbehave and create a reaction in a parent that you didn't think you were capable of um, in terms of just turning around and being very short tempered yeah. with them and I find myself doing that um particularly after I had two kids the first child was was great <laughs> one person we can share responsibility between two parents when there's two or three, it becomes, you know, 2x, mm-hmm. 3x more difficult. Mm-hmm. And I find myself, uh, you know, being put under pressure from my children because just they're demanding, they need fed, they need uh, mm-hmm. attention. And I felt, I realized very quickly, um, as did my wife, uh, that my ability to manage stress in work and switch off out of work was mm-hmm. under pressure. So mm-hmm. I put in place a few additional uh, guardrails to make sure that uh, I'm spending time with my kids when I was in their presence. So certain things like refusing to take meetings after a certain time, mm-hmm. and uh, unless it's absolutely critical, but that only happens maybe two, three times a quarter. So okay. it's manageable. Okay. And just absolutely being strict on my, my, uh, my schedule. And then some, if I have a lot of work or late meetings, I will spend the time in Dublin and not go home that night. Um, and so that I can, create all my work and complete my work away from the home so when I'm at home I'm dedicated to my kids and I think that's that's really where it's it's surfaced whereas before having kids my flexible is much more schedule uh, much more sorry my schedule is much more flexible and it it wasn't a pressure to go home spend one hour in the evenings doing work and then do something else Uh, whereas now time is precious Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so how do you, like, I, I still imagine that there's, I mean, I, you, from a, like, ca- almost calendar perspective, it sounds like you have it managed super well that you're like, this is work, this is maybe my commute time, this is when I come home. 
But what happens if you sometimes feel under pressure or when you are feeling your stress levels rise and what do you do specifically in order to really decrease them and get back into your own kind of, you know, Zen, Zen state? Yeah, I guess it, it does happen at, from time to time. What I do is ask permission from my wife. Um, mm -hmm. It may not be me saying, hey, can I please spend time with work? I might just, permission can come in a few different forms mm -hmm. where I might come in and say, look, I just need one hour to do something at work and then I'll take the kids mm -hmm. if you want to go off. So my wife um, you know, might work on her course or, or do something else. And I just say, I need this one hour to finish things off and then full attention. And we have that good relationship and good agreement to do that. Um, also, my uh, wife started doing yoga every Tuesday evening, and it's her one thing every week that she loves doing. So I know I cannot interrupt that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I play football once a week on a, on the Monday evening, so I know I cannot interrupt that. So that that forces me to to leave the office. Um, it forces me to switch off from work, and having those two two out of the five days in the week. So I have to get the football. I have to get to the kickoff. My wife has to be in yoga at uh, 7 p.m. I leave the office early on a Friday, or finish off early. Um, that, that really creates guardrails and non-negotiable uh, non times where I'm just not working. And But it, it creates demands to make sure when I'm in work, I'm fully focused and dedicated to that, that period. Um, and then lastly, I work from home one day a week mm -hmm. where uh, it means I have less distractions because I can go in and spend a full day in in my home office and not have to run between meetings or mm -hmm. um, you know less distractions where people are um, looking for your attention. So that really helps manage my schedule as well that I know on a Friday, if I need to do um, you know, certain work, I might have an extra 30, 40 minutes at home to do it uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And you mentioned as well that I'm super curious about that you have really often well-being conversations with your wife. How, how does that look like? So she is very good at spotting if I'm slightly stressed. And okay. uh, part of her course, so her nutrition and well-being course, is she, she put me through a course of 10 weeks where I had to write a food diary. She tracked everything I ate. Um, my sleeping patterns, my stress levels and work. So I had to rate them out of 10 every week. So mm -hmm. one week it might be seven, the next week it's six, the next week it's five and seven. So she assessed my stress levels on a weekly basis and then tried to give me advice on better ways to manage that. Um, mm -hmm. Even simple things like if I feel my energy is dropping, go and eat some you know, nuts or a snack or something to bring up my energy mm -hmm. um, or you know, to drink more water and change my diet you know small things but that, that really do help so she gives me advice on that and uh, we've shifted to a completely organic diet so none of the food in our house is uh, processed we don't eat processed food it's all organic um, Friday last week I took the day off work we went to a, a spa retreat spent three hours in there went for lunch in there an organic farm and only had organic food and then spent the evening Uh, with friends so again it's it's these days where we maybe once every few months go off and have uh, our own well-being days and not that we talk we don't label it as well-being but we just yeah. chat through you know yeah. how things work how things with the kids how things with our new business and make sure the our ability to manage that is 
is at a good place. And if it's not, then one of us might compromise slightly that, you know, we, I might try and, you know, finish out our work early one day or um, let her go to extra yoga classes in the evening where I take the kids off to the play park. So, mm-hmm. you know, we try to compromise in that way to keep, to help each other's well-being remain fairly constant in a good place. Wow, that's amazing. And was it always like that? I mean, you said that with, with more kids, there they came more responsibility, I guess, and more conversations to make sure that you both manage your um, stress levels and well-being well. Or was there a period where it was like, oh my God, what are we doing? And then you kind of started to integrate these things. <clears throat> I guess it's, we're both, coming from a similar place where we have personalities that we always have multiple plates in the air. We're always juggling multiple things. Mm-hmm. As an example, the, the week we got married, Edel, she was finishing a separate master's thesis. So the week we got married, she handed it in the week before we got married. We were building the house. We finished the house design that week as well. And we got married that week and we were planning our honeymoon. And you know, th- these things all just happened at the same time. Obviously, I was working. She was also working. And there was a lot going on. But we liked that energy and, and having a lot to do. Then when we started having children, you know, that starts to multiply. <laughs> always something to do. So I guess it's only been the past year, maybe two years, where we felt probably since Lara was born, since she arrived, we realized, oh, going from two to three children is uh, a lot more to manage in terms of the attention she needs plus the other children. And we felt as though that there was days where we weren't giving her full attention to Kaylin or to Rian. So we needed to make sure that the children were getting the right level of attention. Mm-hmm. And then that we had time. That's what I said last Friday. We went away for the day and my sister looked after the, the kids. So we got a full day away together, which we need to do without the distraction of uh, mm-hmm. children running around looking for things at our feet, mm-hmm. uh, which again, I love, but you need that break. And it's similar to the press pause in my team and work. It's mm-hmm. just one day every three months where we switch off, mm-hmm. forget about work, make sure we can spend time focused on our, our mental health, our well-being. And similarly at home, it's every few months we go away and just you know enjoy time in a relationship versus enjoying time as parents because that's so demanding Um, and there's so many parents out there would say the same thing so Mm -hmm. um, we just invest time doing that on a regular basis and make sure that we keep each other honest in terms of Mm -hmm. if one of us is under pressure in work or in anything we're doing that we let the other person know Yeah, I it's I, I had exactly that th- thought in my mind right now that it's like your accountability buddy that really always checks <laughs> checks that you you know that you're well and that you're keeping yourself honest, which is awesome. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, and both from you know Irish families where that often wasn't the case, where the mm-hmm. uh, you know the father and the mother or the wife and husband uh, or anyone in a partnership were sharing. Mm-hmm. you know stress levels or demands on work or you know certain things they may be worried about mm-hmm. so you know we've been very active in at least you know attempting to even if it's not perfect it's still an attempt to share that yeah that's awesome and so mental health has become you just mentioned it um more and more of a important subject in in corporations and companies um mm-hmm. you've been you know at google for a long time and how have you kind of maybe perceived that shift of 
putting more importance on mental health and why is it so much more important today than it maybe was seven years ago? So I, I wouldn't see it as more important today than seven years ago. I, I would see it as more aware today. So more people are aware of it and more acceptance around it. So I think Google is very, very good at promoting mental health and bringing in, whether it's bringing in speakers who have suffered from mental health or people who just are able to talk about it and share their experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and we've had that particularly in Dublin. There's been a lot of speakers coming in and, and promoting uh, mental wellness and, and well-being when it comes to mental health. And I think that's been critical because often people might be suffering uh, mental stresses outside of work or in work, but not share it. And it, it's still it's still something, there's a lot of work to do and a lot of room to improve in terms of creating spaces for people to share that they might be under pressure um, and they might need support in work as well as outside of work. The EAP programs, the programs that exist to assist employees, mm -hmm. there's a lot of surveys have been run around this and one recently in the, the Dublin site where the majority of people in Google Ireland, for example, I don't know the, the data statistics globally, but in Google Ireland, the majority of people aren't aware of the uh, support programs that exist for employees. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we have to change. Mm -hmm. So there, there's definitely room to grow there. In terms of where we were seven years ago, or you know, even when I started in, in Google, the, there was so many, so much conversation around how to grow the business, how to grow your career, how to uh, you know take on projects, create visibility, like all these additional ways to improve your growth in the company and your growth as an individual, which were great. Mm -hmm. But the pressures and the demands that are put on people to progress their career and to have a work-life balance, there's pressure on having a work-life balance. Yeah. So how you manage that mentally and internally is, is something that wasn't really dealt with in the past. Mm -hmm. So I think as we've grown as a company, as more people have become uh, you know, under pressure, and it, it's visible where you can visibly see people under pressure and maybe sick leave has gone up in terms of people just needing time off. Mm -hmm. All of these things have really uh, combined. What, what has helped, and as a parent, I've been able to enjoy this, is initiatives like parental leave, where you get three months off as a father. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever I started in Google, or even seven years ago, there was, I think you got two weeks off, yeah. and then it went to four weeks and then 12 weeks. For, for Ireland and as a global policy for Google. So mm -hmm. for me, that's an indicator that there's an awareness that for even for fathers who don't have to go through the, you know, uh, don't have to go through childbirth and recovery, but there's a demand on fathers or other parents to support their partner at home. Mm -hmm. and, and that's pressure. And I've seen it firsthand where new fathers or, or new mothers come back to work and, and they struggle because mm -hmm. there's demands that the child may be sick or they're going into childcare for the first time or somebody they don't know is looking after their child, which is very demanding and stressful. Yeah. And I think Google has become more aware of that. It didn't need to be aware of it maybe seven, eight years ago, mm -hmm. whereas today it, it, it does need to be aware of it and actively support employees to do that. Mm -hmm. I think other changes around flexible working times and initiatives for parents um, and it's not only parents it's you know, yeah. folk, people who maybe live in a country they're not from so mm -hmm. Dublin is a good example of that and you experience this where 
you move to a new office that you maybe don't know a lot of people. The people you do know are from your your cultural background or your your country and therefore you you gravitate towards them. And I see this particularly in, in Dublin and other offices where people then become very unfamiliar with how to survive and grow and enjoy being in new cultures. And again, I think there's a lot of work to do to integrate people, create environments that are inclusive as well yeah. for multiple different cultures. And it's something that I think we still have a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. but I think we've, we've made really good progress. Yeah, definitely. I think the emo- like having that emotional support system when you're moving away and, you know, I think that's why, like we've worked, like when I was in Dublin the first three years, like we worked a lot because there was no family at home that was waiting for us. You know, we, that was kind of the culture, like everybody, you know, and, and we became friends at work with our colleagues. So we just stayed behind and worked just a bit longer. And obviously the Google offices and spaces are like comfortable. Um, so yeah, that's one of the thoughts that I have for people that are listening right now. And also me as a non-parent, of course, as you know, there's a lot of great programs that we you know, that, that we're starting to integrate for parents. But I, I still think that there's a lot of programs that we also need to integrate for non-parents because obviously when you have a kid, you know, the importance in your life shifts and there's a lot of programs that we already help um, parents to, to help through that. But then, you know, I, I've had a lot of conversations with friends that don't have kids and feel under pressure and have a hard time to struggle. They're, have have a hard time to manage and balance their well-being and then for me the question is what kind of programs have we ha- do we have for those right and mm-hmm. i guess for 10 years in google i worked not being a parent mm-hmm. and i think it's it's not that we don't need programs for employees who are not parents i think it's that, that there's more attention being shifted to parents because mm-hmm. i think they were underrepresented in terms of mm-hmm. uh, providing for that and providing an environment that is suitable for parents, mm-hmm. number one. And number two is that Google's employee base has aged over mm-hmm. the years where uh, it's not as junior as it once was. Mm-hmm. And with more uh, more parents who are joining the company or who are in the company than, than previously we did have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's good to reflect on, I guess, the 10 years I spent in Google as, you know, as a single mm-hmm. uh, a single person without any children and what what helped my well-being then is having a good network outside of google mm-hmm. so i moved to dublin and spent uh, one year in college before joining google and that, that one year i you know created a friend network in dublin that yes. i spent all my time with or most of my time with outside of google and mm-hmm. like that that's not always the case for people but mm-hmm. it's it's always the case where people can create an environment outside of Google that they enjoy being in where they can switch off from work. And I played in a football team for 10 years, uh, a Google football team. But when we went there, it was very little work talk. It was very much about football or sports or you know, non-work mm-hmm. conversation. And e- even when I'm in the office, I've been fortunate that there's maybe a core group of uh, friends that I've had in, since the first two years I worked in Google where we meet every week for lunch, um, two, three, four times a week. And there's an unspoken rule that we don't talk about uh, business or work-related yeah. topics. So that yeah. in the middle of the day, every day, I can switch off from work and switch mm-hmm. my mind off. And then I go back after lunch and I'm refreshed. Mm-hmm. And I think 
that may or may not work for everyone. Some people prefer to be uh, working through their lunch and leave early. Other people will prefer to have one-on-one -on -one work uh, lunch meetings, which again is, is good for certain people. So I guess it's understanding what works for you. What gives me energy is having those conversations during the day, mm -hmm. go back at one o'clock and I'm ready to go for the evening. And that gives me an energy boost, but also means I can switch off for uh, lunchtime and go back the point where I'm ready to, you know, get back into meetings or. Uh, yeah. I, I love all that you just said. I think a couple of things that I want to highlight is <clears throat> that you don't need to be physically active to uh, reduce stress or to, you know, to balance your stress levels out. It can be just as simple as going for lunch and not talking about work for an hour that refreshes you and have, has you give a, a fresh set of you know, uh, brain, brain cells <laughs> to, to get like into the second part of your day. And I also love that you said like, it's so individual and maybe some people prefer to work through their lunch break and then leave early because maybe they go to a, a sports class or whatever they do. And then the other thing that I really love that you said is that, um, having kind of a group that is not connected with work. So when you see them, like that connection is not oh, like work and I'm thinking about work or I could potentially talk with them about work if something is on my mind and really having like a little bit of those boundaries and those separations between work and, and your personal life. Yes, exactly. And I guess it's a, it's my dirty little secret that <laughs> my, uh, my friends that I grew up with at home uh, that I live beside and I meet on a regular basis They have no idea what I do in Google and mm -hmm. I have attempted to explain it to them in the past, <laughs> but it's good because they, they don't ask me questions about work and mm. they don't try to understand it in more depth, which is good for me because it means when I'm with them, I can completely switch off from work and whether it's, you know, we're on a road trip together or we're spending time together in each other's houses over dinner It means that when I talk about work, it's very much at the company conceptual level. I don't need to get into my role. And it means I, I can really switch off. So it's, it's a, I guess, a dirty little secret that I actively try to not tell them what I'm doing yeah. so that uh, they don't probe too much. Nice. I love that. And I actually have one more question before I jump into the questions that I always ask at the end of the interview. How do you manage, you said that you're having really strict boundaries with your stakeholders and your colleagues and you're, you know, you have like one day per week where you're working and you have late night meetings with, with America. Um, do, I'm sure you've had experiences where people don't understand or, you know, where people are trying to put more pressure maybe on you to, uh, um, yeah, to, 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 to come and join a meeting, for example, or on the other side of the spectrum as well. Maybe you have seen colleagues um, really stressed out. Do you uh, try to help them? Like, what is your usually your reaction to that? It, it does happen, and it's happening less and less because, luckily, people are more aware of mm -hmm. varying work schedules and varying demands on, on on people's work. And I think if if people are very clear that they have something to do in the evenings outside of work, then that that should be their personal time. It shouldn't be interrupted. And luckily within, and you've been in a global role yourself where you're working with people in, in different offices across the globe and there's very different time zones. I think we just need to be respectful of people's working hours. And similarly, 
based in Dublin, if I'm meeting someone in Japan or in New York or California, and their working hours uh, do not match, then I don't set up meetings with them at 7 a.m. or 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. I think it's impossible to get a meeting with anyone in Mountain View at 6 p.m. anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. and similarly in Dublin, uh, you know, early in the morning, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to get a meeting. So mm -hmm. I think we just need to be respectful of each other's uh, personal boundaries and and not push it. If, if I ask me for a meeting at 7 a.m. and they say no, I, I clearly understand that that's a boundary for them. And I, I do flex at times if there's you no know, deadlines to be met or high priority meetings, which, which can't happen. But mm -hmm. I, I would potentially attend one and then say, okay, I can't make the rest of the meetings. Can we look for an alternative time? Or do I need to be there? Or can I just follow up mm -hmm. over email? Mm -hmm. um, and often I would say, look, I'm happy to give input on a given topic or, or update, but I can't make a certain time. And people are, are quite open to, to that, are quite flexible. Um, my my boss, I've had the same boss for the past three years. And before that, uh, I think I've always been quite open and say, yeah, if there's anything, ping me or let mm -hmm. me know if it's outside of working hours. But, um, you know, please aim to keep it if it's urgent or if it's, mm -hmm. it's not time sensitive, send an email and, and I'll get back to you within 24 hours. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's creating those boundaries and, and being strict. And, you know, if people aren't willing to flex and accept your boundaries, then it needs a, a, an open conversation with them to understand why not. Mm -hmm. And I've had that conversation sometimes where mm -hmm. people in my team have, have approached me and said, uh, people are setting up meetings at you know 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. and I need to pick up my kids or I need to go to sport or something else. And I've stepped in and said, look, can we just be more mindful of time here? Because mm -hmm. there's different time zones. Mm -hmm. And I think there, there's often a compromise we can reach where the time rotates or we meet less frequently or we do email updates. And often I think people will be quite open to the flexion that, but if they're not, then I would either challenge them yourself or look for somebody to support you in challenging them. Yeah. I think it's, I'm in my head, I'm like, well, it's a beautiful example of leadership. You know, I think because you are portraying so beautifully how you um, are st almost strict about your work-life balance. I feel like it almost gives other people permission and it gives people on your team permission to do the same thing. And I think that's, that's um, in some teams, I'm sure still something um, that we can work on as well. You know, that the manager maybe says, oh, you should be doing this and that. But then the manager is like the worst example <laughs> of, of well-being. And then awesome. people feel like they, they need to give that too, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, I've given permission to anyone on my team to challenge me if I contact mm -hmm. them outside of work hours or mm -hmm. if I'm on vacation or anything to challenge me and say, look, you're setting a bad example here. And they have done it because I've broken my own rules at times and they have called me out, which I appreciate. So therefore, next time I'm mindful of of not you know, breaking those rules and, and setting a bad example. Yeah, that's amazing. Great. Okay, I want you to be on time tonight for your football game, if it is tonight, um, because it's Monday. Um, so I have always a few questions at the end um, that I want to, uh, you know, that I just want to uh, share with my listeners. The first question is, what are you most grateful for in your life? Oh, that's a tough question, I guess. Being able to go after my passion and my passion changes, but mm -hmm. if 
at any given time I want to, you know, spend time perfecting my football technique or spend time with my family or spend time with work, each of which have been a passion at different points in time, I can do that. And I'm very, very grateful about that because particularly over the past two, three, four years where I've learned more about how certain nationalities, genders, races are, uh, I guess, limited in terms of their ability to operate in certain environments mm-hmm. and come to a point where they feel as though they're, they're free to speak or free to engage in certain areas. Mm-hmm. I, I feel as though I've never had that real restriction on, on me. So I feel privileged that I came from an upbringing that allowed me to go after my passions in sport and education in my friends with my family. There's never been restrictions on me. So uh, it helps that I'm, you know, an Irish white male, I guess, mm-hmm. in some respects. And it's, it's something that I realized correctly when I look across my team, which is quite diverse. It's something where not everyone that I work with has had that freedom. Mm-hmm. And I guess I feel very fortunate to to be able to go after my passion. And I still do today. I, I love my job. I love my family life. I love my kind of social life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's things that could always be improved, but I, I feel passionate about them. And I guess it's something I'm, I'm very thankful for. That's great. And what are the three biggest or most important wisdoms for you that you live your life by and that you would want to share with other people? Three wisdoms that mm-hmm. I, would, I would like. Um, so... I'll start from a work uh, point of view because I spent time recently chatting to a few people about their career progression and uh, what the career journey might look like for them. Mm-hmm. And one conversation I had really stood out with me where if if you're not enjoying what you're doing and if you don't feel comfortable in a conversation, mm-hmm. then step out of that conversation, step out of that environment and find something you do enjoy doing and you can thrive in. And the example I gave is I worked in an engineering org for five years and really enjoyed it and learned a lot. But I went into one meeting where I was the only non-engineer in in the room. It was all search engineers in Google. And I felt as though I was the only one who could not add value in that room. Mm -hmm. I made a decision that day to change my career. And that, that for me was because I felt as though I wasn't going to be able to continue adding value in that in that uh, team environment. So therefore, I want to go after something I could um, really value. So if you can add value, go after that. If you can't, then look for a change. So, so that would be one in terms of career and, uh, mm-hmm. and where you should invest your time. Uh, in terms of in terms of life and work balance, so it's for me the other way around. It's life and work balance. I always put life mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Is Plan for where you can enjoy your life and plan for where you can enjoy your, your well-being. And then work should fit in. So everyone has a work schedule. It could be nine to six, could be eight to five, whatever it is. Um, make sure that you're able to enjoy your life and have fulfilled goals in your life. And then make sure that your work complements that. And if, if it's the other way around, um, that works for some people. Uh, to have professional goals and go after them. But from my point of view, my personal point of view, where I see myself 
uh, enjoying my life is, is having a good uh, home life and then building work into it. Mm-hmm. In terms of number three, would be spend time reflecting. So be self-reflective. You can't be taught that, I don't think. I think people just need to carve out time for themselves and really understand having time to be self-aware and self-reflective is the only way to fully understand if you're being happy. So every time I get on the train every morning, I have a an alert on my phone that goes off at um, 7.42 because that's the time I set foot on the train mm-hmm. there's a notification to say it's a mindfulness reminder okay and i meditate for 10 minutes every morning on the train so i get on the train put in my headphones close my eyes and meditate for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and in that 10 minutes my thoughts drift often but i try to recenter myself and say okay if you're going to drift in terms of thought it should be around something that's uh, personally important to you and helping you mm-hmm. in your life and Sometimes it'll go into work thoughts, but often I try to recenter myself on, on personal fulfillment and personal ambitions and make sure that uh, I recenter myself. So 10 minutes every morning and I track my usage. The apps are great for this, but um, yep. I use an app called Calm. It's okay. I, I tried Headspace, but I felt this app works better for me anyway. Um, yep. And it's a 10 minute meditation every morning. So mm-hmm. I guess everyone has a different approach to what works for them, but I think everyone should self-reflect in whatever form works for them. Amazing. I, I could just like finish it right now. <laughs> finish the interview. This was really amazing. Um, last question is, do you have any books that you really enjoy reading around well-being that you would recommend to others? The honest answer is I don't because mm-hmm. um, I, I, when I'm reading, I spend more time reading autobiographies and thrillers they're my go-to okay so i i don't okay, great. <laughs> to that's answer. totally fair as well yeah yeah there, there's there's articles so mm-hmm. hbr type articles mm-hmm. or other ones that i would i would go to would be quite useful but for those type of things i'm more short form get quick tips or quick advice mm-hmm. and move on to the next one um i wouldn't so I, I could read an entire book and, and take a lot from it. I tried to look for the quick, uh, quick fixes. Amazing. Great. Well, thank you so much. Is there maybe anything that I haven't touched on that you would want to share or say? So the only thing is I love what you're doing, really working to promote mindfulness and the investment you've taken to do this, both uh, influencing people you know on Google and beyond. I think it's it's tremendous and I think I want to see more people doing it, um, mm-hmm. myself included. I get this from my wife at home as well, which is great, you know, investing in, in people's uh, mental, physical health, which I think is great to see. And um, I have people who are close to me in my life who, who do suffer from mental health uh, problems and they're actively working to to challenge it and, and improve on it. But I think what you're doing and what others your feed you're doing is really helping awareness and and solving it so thank you and thank you. Uh, i'm hoping more people would do the same thank you so much ryan well with that thank you so much i hope you have a wonderful football practice tonight you. and you get to uh, yeah continue to also share this exactly what you share today with us um in your team and beyond because i think it's tremendous that you have such a 
such a clear and um, open, you know, um, expectation, not expectation, but like just your lifestyle is such a beautiful example of how you can really manage work and life in a really amazing way. So thank you so much. Thank you, Julia. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be extremely happy and grateful if you could leave me a comment and a five-star rating. If you know someone who would benefit from the information I talked about today, please feel free to share it with them, no matter if it is your friends, your colleagues and or your family members. You will always find all links and a summary of the podcast in the show notes. It would be great if we could connect on Instagram or via email. You can find all details of how to find me in the show notes as well. In that way, you can also send me any questions that you might have. And as I mentioned, I also have a wonderful YouTube channel now where you can post comments and questions. So please reach out. I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your trust. With gratitude, Julia.